This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What it do? Hardwood Knox listeners, I am Dan Valley coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectacularia, will truck over people in pickup basketball games if they try and injure his ACL inadvertently or on purpose or what have you, co-host Andrew D. Valley. Before we get started, the usual housekeeping notes that I am attempting to streamline, remember, please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Hardwood Knox wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes is still the most important way, though, to help us. So if you could throw us a five-star review, a five-star rating on there, then leave us a review with whatever feedback you have. We'd really appreciate it. If you have subscribed to us, rated us, and reviewed us, please tell your friends. Retweet our promotions on Twitter if you could. We'd appreciate it at all. Definitely download all our episodes. So if you aren't doing that already, we do publish around to a week around ballpark Tuesday, Wednesday slash Friday, those areas. Just be sure you're downloading the episodes that helps us out as well. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D Bailey. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Favale, F A V A L E. And also follow the blue wire podcast network on Twitter at blue wire pods. Last, but certainly not least also follow subscribe our, to our YouTube account, youtube.com slash Hardwood Knox. Like all our videos, we have our podcast up in there. Sometimes I'm throwing up some funny edits so we're not just the podcast. And if you could subscribe to that, we'd be greatly appreciated as well. With that said, Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, still upright on both legs. You, men- you mentioned some pickup basketball that I played last night and uh, got a little rough. But that happens from time to time. Yeah, someone tried to murder you on your birthday, which just seems <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I just, I, I kind of felt bad for the guy later, but like I was telling you before we started recording, he's like, I don't know, he's like 5'9", maybe 150 pounds, and I'm 6'7", 265, um, and, uh, you know, he, he wanted to stand in there, and I don't I don't know if he wanted to take a charge or what, but dude clipped my legs in midair, and then it was, I, I kind of lost my mind after that. Well... That is unfortunate. Luckily, you do not get seriously injured, and you have that size advantage on him. So you were—you said you were able to just basically bully people around after that. So that's always good. Yeah, I usually keep my cool playing pickup ball, but every every like two or three years, it just it just all spills out. I guess every who knows? Two or three years. <laughs> um, we're gonna start our trade season uh, week here at Hardware Knox. I'm just gonna call it that. Just decided that that's what it should be called right now. Uh, we're going to get into some buyer sellers, some surprise trade candidates, but first we want to tackle the news from the New York Times is Mark Stein. Uh, he says that Drew Holiday is essentially available, 
that JJ Redick is, is still basically not, which I found that to be a little interesting. But Drew Holiday is yeah. is available for the six and twenty two Pelicans, who before we recorded this loss to the Brooklyn Nets in overtime, they have a minus five point nine net rating, which is twenty fifth in the league, just in front of the Charlotte Hornets and behind the Wizards. So it makes sense that they would fall into the sellers category. I believe David Griffin did sort of rebuke that report though a little bit. The fact that it comes from Mark Stein, though, of the New York Times, it leads me to believe that Drew Holiday is certainly at least not untouchable. And so what are what are your impressions of that news? And do you see, do any teams stand out as potential no-brainer suitors for him? So I had a, you actually had to clue me into the news a few hours after it broke. But when I, when I read the tweets that Mark Stein put out, I had a similar reaction, like, J.J. Redick is seemingly in the same group as Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, while Drew Holiday is not. That was just kind of surprising to me. Um, and I guess if if David Griffin refuted it, there's certainly reason to believe him, too, because l- logically, um, Redick is a guy that I think they could get some value for and, and could certainly help some playoff teams. And I think we're all invested on the J.J. Redick uh, playoff streak. So... <laughs> I would be surprised if 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 he really is like borderline untouchable right now. I'd be pretty surprised if they maintain that stance all the way through February. But anyway, we're not talking about JJ Redick. We're talking about Drew Holiday. Um, he's obviously still <laughs> quite good. Uh, the Pelicans are a mess, and 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 I think he's a he's a player that I was thinking about this last night. Uh, trade value for like stars or borderline stars has fluctuated so much over the last few years. There was a little stretch there where it was like, nobody can get good value for one of these big name guys. Then all of a sudden this summer, and maybe it's maybe these, these players that were traded this summer are in a different tier, but like all of a sudden Paul George went for this massive haul. Uh, Russell Westbrook went for this massive haul. So I think it's kind of hard to gauge what kind of value Drew Holiday has right now. I think the Pelicans could probably get at least one first round pick. Uh, for trading him. And I think, you know, there's there's some teams that I think are interesting. Um, Orlando's kind of interesting to me, even though they've got Markel Fultz and he's playing pretty well uh, this season. I, I think uh, the Timberwolves are interesting, but it's, it's kind of hard to find a trade package that doesn't include Andrew Wiggins. And so that's, um, I, I just don't know if New Orleans would have any interest in Andrew Wiggins. I don't think I need to dive real deep into the reasons why. That I think most of our listeners probably understand that. Um, one that's somewhat interesting to me and, and maybe you'll agree or disagree is the nuggets. There's, there's no buzz around drew holiday, possibly going to the nuggets, but I thought for a while that they're just kind of ripe for a consolidation trade. Mm -hmm. They've got 11 or 12 solid players and they've, they've got some good guys who don't even see the floor right now. Like Malik Beasley's falling out of the rotation. Juan Hernan Gomez, I think is good. He's, he's barely been in the rotation this season. Um, Jared Vanderbilt's an interesting guy. He's doing some things in the G league. He, he can't even get on the floor for the, the main club. So I think they could pair some salaries together and you're going to have to include one big one, like maybe Gary Harris. Um, but he would be really interesting in Denver to me. He's not that much smaller than Gary Harris. So I think you could start Murray and drew together. Um, I, I, that, that one intrigues me a lot, even though they're really, like I said, there's no smoke, um, coming from Denver on that front. Yeah, those those are all good fits. Orlando's one that's not probably being talked about enough, but I would think that they could build, you know, if you go Aaron Gordon and a pick, like that's the basis of a good deal. It'd have to be something else in there, but they have the 
the filler to make it happen. And I think Fultz and Holiday could play together because Holiday can play either guard spot. And he's basically been an off guard for however long. I'm, I am interested to see what he eventually fetches or at least what we're kind of seeing him, what the offers are rumored to be. Because I had him as a top 25 player entering this season. I think that's still his ceiling. But I'm wondering what people kind of think of his contract. And so he has two years. He's making $26.2 million this year. Um, and then he has, I, I think he has two years left after this one. And so he's going to total the final one of which is a player option. So he has two years and $53.4 million left on his deal. Do you view that as an asset? I'd probably say yes. But then you're, you're asking yourself, you know, this is his age 29 season. So he's, he's slated for free agency technically after his age 31 season, but we'll have the option to go after his age 30 season, if that makes sense. And so if you're a team acquiring him, you have to ask, oh, is he just going to hit free agency by 2022? Mm -hmm. And that might factor into the equation as well. I will say the packages that I've seen thrown out there from a lot of teams, uh, mainly Bucks Twitter, I don't think people understand how good Drew Holiday is just yet. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was we were at a point where he was properly rated and even a little bit of the, of the heat trades. And that's another team that would be super interesting. You mentioned Minnesota and, and Denver, of course. Um, those all seem like fits. I'm, I'm wondering if we could see like, a surprise suitor emerge for him. I'm not necessarily sure who that is when, when you're looking at it, like who could come in and, and really blow them away. But the, the Pacers could do some interesting stuff if they were willing to give up Miles Turner, who in theory is a good Which fit they, for... Uh, I was going to say they should be willing to give him up. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet. I still think he's going to end up being the better player than Demantis Sabonis, but there's no arguing that Sabonis has had the better, far more consistent season this year and so if you're going to move off of these two guys eventually uh one let's just reunite the holiday family together you already have aaron and Justin, <laughs> so let's get the last guy there but you have starting with turner's salary that's a good basis uh turner and a pick plus plus filler uh depends on what i guess what that filler is is gonna be is tj warren or jeremy lamb too much or are they not good enough uh do you have to give up aaron holiday in that deal that's a little bit awkward that's a team though that i could see maybe getting involved when you just look at what they'd be able to do with holiday oladipo sabonis uh, again they would have to be willing to give up miles turner though I, th I thought about indiana last night when i was you know scanning over the teams and seeing who made sense to me I, would that start bringing uh brogdon off the bench if they had oladipo and drew holiday i wouldn't i would just start all three of them together but I could see why Indiana might not do that. I feel like they've never been, especially when you're now moving away from the Turner Sabonis front court. I don't know that you want to go that small on the wings. I absolutely, but you know me, I absolutely would. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, is Brogdon six five? Yeah, I guess you can get away with that. He's around six five, six six. So I just looked him up. He's six five, two thirty. I didn't realize he was that thick. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I think you could probably get away with Drew. Uh, Oladipo and Brogdon, they would be they would be undersized in terms of just like height, but all those guys are strong, and I think they all play a little bit bigger um, than their listed height. So I think you could probably get away with that. I think I think most coaches would be afraid to to lean that hard into small ball, but they would certainly have lineups where those three played together. So that one's interesting. Um, I'm interested yeah, to see what like like what would be the offers from even just the teams that we assume we'll go after him. You, okay, so you mentioned the Nuggets. Is their package, like, 
Harris, Beasley, and and Hernan Gomez. They're not going to give up Michael Porter Jr. in that in that deal. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they included MPJ. You wouldn't. I don't, and I guess he's playing more lately. But I, I just don't get Woj this. Woj called him untouchable when he was speaking with. Oh, okay. That special. Okay. Well, then that changes what I was thinking. Um, I just, I, I don't, I just get the feeling that Michael Malone is not like thrilled with Michael Porter Jr. And that obviously that could change, and obviously I could be off. But uh, I, so the the package I had, and and if Woj is correct, then this just doesn't make sense. Was Harris Porter Jr. and Vanderbilt, and I don't know if you would have to include a pick. At that point. Well, I mean, if you're because, including Vanderbilt and Porter Jr., yeah, I would say no. You're getting, you're getting plenty of young talent if you're New Orleans, and they've already got a pretty good stockpile of picks. Um, so I think that one would be fairly interesting. I guess you could probably still get away with it if you swapped Por- or Hernan Gomez in for Porter and maybe added like a protected first or something. Um, but now you're looking at a 2022 first. Maybe, that, maybe New Orleans is okay with that because they have – so many picks in general, but yeah. normally in these deals, you're looking to get at least one imminent first round pick. And so if you're not getting Porter, and then as I mentioned, you can go Harris, Beasley, Hernan Gomez, but both Hernan Gomez and Beasley are restricted free agents this summer. Yeah, definitely something to consider. And I think you run into a lot of the same problems that Denver's had with all those guys. All of a sudden you've got like four combo forwards. Um with Hernan Gomez, I guess Ingram's not really that. I think he's more of like a just just a straight up wing, um, and it's not as big of a deal if you're New Orleans because you're 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 trying out a bunch of different people anyway. Um, but yeah, those those are interesting packages to me. Here's a question: If you're Miami, would you give up Dragic? And this is just the framework of a deal: Dragic, Winslow, and a distant first round pick with some protection. I think they can't trade one until 2025, if I'm not mistaken. I'll double check that. I was going to ask that. Like what kind of, what kind of options does Miami have in terms of giving up picks? I think I would probably do that. Um, Miami, I'm sure would love to just pair the Johnson and waiters contracts and go after somebody. I mean, that's what is that? Like $30 million. That's just not playing at all this season. Um, you but they have I mean, to include like Bam Adebayo in that deal. I was going to say, if, if, yeah, if they're going to if they're going to trade those two guys for a big contract, they're also going to have to include a pick. But like you said, they might not they're they're not going to be able to trade one until twenty twenty five. So that that's an interesting that com- dice roll to make, though. If you're if you're also getting Winslow as part of the deal, who's on just I think step- I would I would do it if Winslow was in there. I think. Um, cause then all of a sudden you've got, you've got a lot of positionless potential there. If you're the new Orleans Pelicans, I think if you had Ingram Winslow and Zion, like two through four, or even three through five, that's, that's a really interesting combination. And as ballyhooed as this team was entering the season, like they don't really have a lot of wings. There's Kendrick Williams and Brandon Ingram. And then that's basically it. You have to stretch yeah. like the definition of wing to include holiday or Etwan Moore, Darius Miller's injured. So to pick up a wing would be big for them. And then now you have just this distant Miami Heat first round pick. Jimmy Butler's contract is up at that point. Drew Holiday's contract's up at that point. You don't know what that iteration of the Heat looks like. And so depending on what the protection is, you could be looking at really sort of a, a tasty asset. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that would be a really interesting one. That's Miami's a team that I probably should have included right off the bat. Minnesota's you included too, and they're sort of interesting. 
I think they, they could pretty easily get there. I think, just contrary to what you said, if, if you include Jeff Teague, I just don't know what, they're in such a weird position. What are the sweeteners of their deal? I, you know what I yeah. mean? So you could include yeah. Robert Covington, but and he fits anywhere, but what's New Orleans's interest in him? Culver? He, right. You would have to go, you'd use Culver, or you have Josh Akogi, uh, you have you have your first round picks. I just wonder, one, are you willing to go to that extent when you're not really guaranteed a playoff spot? I think you could easily argue that maybe Holiday tips the scales in your favor. Mm-hmm. But I would, my second p- point would be, is is that the most enticing package New Orleans could get? Because, look, Robert Covington is fantastic, and maybe he's a player we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. I just don't know. If you're the Pelicans and you're giving up Drew Holiday, you're committing to a full-on rebuild. And while Robert Covington doesn't ruin rebuilds, the timeline is just is funky. He's gonna yeah. He's in his, he's in his age 29 season, and so I, I think he has two years on his deal left after this one. I'll I'll double check that. Maybe there's value in that. Yeah, there's two years and about 26 million dollars left. Do you think that you can actually flip him for better assets, or do you have plans to be good? next season and that's why you keep him and jj reddick because all of a sudden their interesting compliments to zion and lonzo and ingram maybe you do i'd just be curious to see what robert covington's value in in the aggregate of a trade package would be to a team with new orleans's gradual timeline yeah i think that's all true and another reason i brought up minnesota is i was i was thinking about all the teams that i think we've heard as potential uh, potentially being interested in Chris Paul. Now that Drew Holiday's on the market, you've got a younger point guard uh, on a significantly more manageable contract. I don't think he's quite the... I mean, Chris Paul's been fantastic this season, so I think he probably moves the needle in the short term for all these teams a little bit more than Drew Holiday does. But I, I, any team that has thrown that name around, Chris Paul in the front office, has to be like, okay, now let's let's see what we can do to get Drew Holiday. And I think Minnesota should be one of those teams. Here's here's a trade for you. If you're the Pelicans, would you do uh, Gorgie Jang, Jeff Teague, Jared Culver, this year's Minnesota first, I think there has to be some protection on it, let's say top 10, for Derek Favors and Drew Holiday? Uh, yeah, I would do that. If you're the I, Pelicans, would you do that if you're the Timberwolves? Actually, I was, I was thinking more from the Timberwolves perspective. Um, I think I'd do that either way because I just I, I don't know how much a part of the long term future either of those guys is for New Orleans. Um, and so if you get a first round pick for them, plus you get I, I think still a fairly interesting talent in Jared Culver. Um, I think that makes sense both ways. And Favors has had a hard time staying healthy, not just this season, but in years past in Utah. Um, but if, if he was healthy, that's a really interesting backup five for Carl Anthony Towns. I think we've already discussed how good Drew Holiday is. That's that's an interesting deal to me. Yeah, I guess it depends on how healthy Favors is because in theory, then maybe you'd want to look at keeping him around behind Towns. That's why you get him. Or at the very least, you're getting off the final year and $17.3 million of, of Jank's contract. Yeah, for sure. Do you see any like offbeat teams to wrap up the Drew Holiday stuff that could literally come out of nowhere? I'm, I'm, the Rockets will link themselves to this discussion somehow, but they have no <laughs> shot of of getting him. Uh, is there like a would Portland like consider using something around CJ McCollum? Is this when they kind of cash it in, or 
know, if or let's take it a step further, if you were them, would you start looking at combining all your best cheap assets and attaching it to a large contract to get Drew Holiday? Uh, could you see the Knicks maybe just nixing and getting involved in this? <laughs> I could definitely see the Knicks nixing. Um, Portland, I don't, I don't know if you want to tie up like your entire uh, cap on three small guards. I, I think Drew Holiday is better than CJ McCollum. So if if there was something built around him, I think that raises Portland's ceiling. Um, you know, he's he's obviously not quite the the scorer that CJ McCollum is. He's certainly not the shooter. But that, the the problem with Portland's backcourt is not scoring, uh, and Drew Holiday would would help a lot. You could put him on the opposition's best perimeter player every night and kind of save Damian Lillard from having to do that. So that's, that's interesting to me. Every year we hear the same thing though, you know, Portland's not ready to move on from CJ McCollum. And, um, but that's interesting. I don't know if I have any other offbeat locations. I I think those, those sound fairly interesting to me though. I would, (laughs) I would not be stunned if the New York Knicks threw their hat in the mix though. Dave, literally lowered the value of pretty much all of their assets except Mitchell Robinson and maybe R.J. Barrett by this point. Unless they play the uh, Atlanta Hawks. That's true, too. That was that was quite uh, an impressive bit of losing by, by Atlanta <laughs> on Tuesday night. I would be interested to see, I don't know if this would get it done, but if Portland went Simons, a filler contract, whether it's Whiteside or Bazemore, I, I think we know which one New Orleans would prefer. And then a first-round pick, does that get them in the conversation with Drew Holiday? Like you said, it ties up all your cap and those three guards, but Lillard, McCollum, Holiday, I'd be interested. I don't think you do it just because of the cap equity, but that would be that that would be fun to watch for me. Just as someone that, so so many steps removed from the team. I'm not sure if it functionally makes sense though. I was gonna say that I I can get behind the thinking with the Pacers deal. Like I, I think they could get away with it. I think it's just too small if it's Portland. The thing about the Pacers too is you've got like You've got guys who really fight on defense and Oladipo and Brogdon and then Holiday. Um, with Portland, I, I think you've got some serious size problems if you if you do that. I'm with you. Moving on to buyer-sellers. So this is kind of hard to – or harder than usual to identify at this point because when you look at the playoff race, the, the West is still brutal to me in the sense that so many teams – still have a chance, but it's yeah. it's brutal in the way that the Eastern Conference is brutal because it's allowing some pretty bad teams to stay in the mix. I think right now, I'm not saying these teams are sellers or will be aggressive, but the the teams that I would pencil out of the playoffs in the West as of now are Memphis, New Orleans, and Golden State. And then in the East, I would stretch that to Chicago, Washington, New York, Cleveland, and Atlanta. Yeah, no gripes from me there. I was I jumped off uh, two ships too early with Portland and San Antonio. Like you said, there's <laughs> seven and eight are both under 500 right now. So there there is a little bit more um, incentive for some of those teams to fight in the West. So maybe pump the brakes. I'm with you, though. I think it's kind of hard to identify like clear buyers and sellers. And when I was going through teams last night, I, I, I kind of passed over a few that I thought, can I put them in both categories? Um, because I could easily see some of these teams going either way. Yeah, I, I think if Drew Holiday is indeed available, the Pelicans already qualify as sellers. Yeah. After that, it's where it gets murky. The Wizards, what do they have to sell? 
Davis Bertans, and I think he would fetch a relative to his contract and the player that that he is. He would he would fetch something nice for them, but he's he's shooting a trillion percent from three. And so, do they want to kind of let this ride into free agency and you know re-sign him, see what he looks like with a healthy wall, and when Beal's there because they signed Beal to the extension, they don't have really anyone to move. The Knicks, I think, are going to be sellers. You have Marcus yeah. Morris. I don't know that any of their other contracts from the offseason uh, appeal. It helps that they're all non-guaranteed or team options for next season. So maybe someone thinks that they can reboot Wayne Ellington's value. Maybe someone's been impressed with Alfred Payton thus far. So that would be, I think, they're clearly in the, the seller's camp. Do you, uh, you see Marcus Morris said they can still make the playoffs last night? Oh, no, I did not. Was he drinking? <laughs> I don't know. He said, if we keep playing like this, who knows? Um, in Marcus Morris's defense, they they are only four games, uh, yeah, excuse I, me, six games in the loss column out of out of number eight. Right after I saw that quote, I went and looked at the standings, and I thought, with with how bad the bottom of the playoffs are in both conferences, maybe he's not completely out of his mind here. So my list of definitive sellers to kind of – like provide some structure to this. I have the Knicks, the Cavaliers, which basically means Kevin Love and maybe Tristan Thompson. I, and I have the Pelicans and the Grizzlies because they have Iguodala and I think they should look at moving Crowder and maybe attaching Crowder to Iguodala as a way that you get the return you're looking for on Iggy. After that is where I have the questions. If you want to include the Wizards as like a default seller, I might be with you. I don't know what the Hawks actually have to sell, to be honest with you. And people have talked about them maybe becoming surprise buyers. Uh, a team that I'm interested to see what they end up doing is the Chicago Bulls. They have everyone kind of pegged them as the darling team this year that can maybe contend for a playoff spot. Uh, they are pretty much the way they've played just optically. They're closer to the Knicks than they are to the playoffs. That's also just mathematically true at this point. And so do you look at seeing what you could get for Thomas Sadoransky. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a market for, for Thaddeus Young? Do you maybe consider selling high if you can on, on Zach Levine? But this is a, do you consider cutting bait with Larry Markinen? They, I feel like there are just a lot of questions for them, and I could see them devolving into sellers before we get to the trade deadline. Chicago is one of those teams I looked at last night and thought, could we put them in both categories? Because couldn't you see them like doubling down on this and saying, <laughs> you know, we're just, you know, we need one guy who can help uh, Zach Levine and then then we'll be in the mix. Um, I could totally see the Bulls talking themselves into that. Did you do you not have OKC as a definite seller either? Yeah, they're in the playoffs right now, which is just, I know, which is yeah. just my thing. So but I guess they would move Chris Paul in a heartbeat, but I don't, does that make them a seller? I, he does make their team better. It's the payroll. Gallinari too. And you would think they, they, they have some willingness to get off Steven Adams. Um, could we, and this is not aimed at you. Could we stop with like sending expensive bigs to Boston? What salary <laughs> cap filler are they sending out? I just saw that the, uh, one of the things going around NBA Twitter was that the Celtics would have interest in Steven Adams. Okay, that's fine. Who are you giving up? To get Steven Adams, like so here's every, the, is yeah, I don't, I don't know. Gordon Hayward is the player that you're trading. Otherwise, I don't know who you're moving. And he's been fantastic for them this season. The, I, I, the Celtics were a really hard team. I wrote that article. I think it's been like a week and a half ago now. 
where I was supposed to come up with one trade for every team in the league, the Celtics were really hard um, because if you're going to make anything other than like, you know, just a move around the fringes of the roster, you've got to trade one of those bigger name guys. And it's just, it's hard to find something logical <laughs> along those lines. And I don't think Steven Adams is it. The other thing is if you, um, if you trade a center to them, they've already got three centers who are all playing pretty well right now in Tice, Cantor, and uh, Robert Williams. And that's obviously not to say that they can't upgrade that position, but I'm, I'm with you. That's an interesting, um, <laughs> that's an interesting potential de- destination for Steven Adams. It's just kind of hard to find logical spots for highly paid centers in general. Like, there's there's been some buzz about Andre Drummond possibly being on the market because right. maybe Detroit's not going to want to pay his next contract. But every time a big name like enters the rumor mill, I'm just I'm just thinking, who's going to invest, um, you know, money and you know other forms of assets into a big man? It's just it's really hard to find logical destinations for these centers, and I guess that's been a problem for like four or five years now. And you mentioned one of the teams that. I could see turning into sellers. I don't know if they have the guts to do it. I think they should do it. I'm at that point. I don't know if they have the guts to do it, but the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, maybe, for sure they should. Maybe part of the reason they don't have the nerve to do it is because what does selling look like for them? What are you getting, if anything, for the final two years and $75.8 million on Blake Griffin's contract? Yeah, What is tough. Andre Drummond with a $28.8 million player option for next season worth to outside teams? It seems like they might have an easier path to buying because you have expiring contracts, Reggie Jackson, Langston Galloway, who shot the hell out of the ball this year. And then just like some nice movable salaries, you know, Tony Snell's right there. He's a player option for next year, 12.2 million. Um, Derek Rose has played pretty well for them. He's only owed 7.7 million next year. And then you have, I wouldn't say you have top-notch sweeteners, but aside from including picks, if you really wanted to make a home run swing and go after Drew Holiday, you have Luke Kennard. You have Sekou Demboya. Uh, you have, I guess, Christian Wood, who is can do more stuff with the ball in his hands than I ever imagined. I think I mentioned this once to you. I, I still can't believe it was a question of whether Joe Johnson or Christian Wood would get the the final spot yeah. in Detroit. Maybe, maybe it never really was. That that might have been more of like an NBA Twitter creation than than it was. Yeah. So I'm just. Do you think that Detroit is more likely to sell or buy? I think probably more likely to buy. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams in the Eastern Conference that are in that, you know, massive clump from whatever it is, six through 14 or 15. <laughs> Who could, all the front offices, I would not be shocked, would, would be like, hey, you know, we've got a chance to go for this. The bottom of the East is not real good. If we add one more piece, maybe we get to the playoffs and get our guys some experience. Plus, there's some front offices in the East that have a track record for, um, not necessarily being forward looking. So, you know, Chicago, New York, I wouldn't be surprised to see any of those teams throw their hat in the ring. And so with Detroit, I'm, I'm thinking something similar. Maybe they're like, you know, we've got Canards playing good. We've got Drummond in his prime. Let's just add one more piece and see what happens. Um, that's a team to me that just seems very content on treading in mediocrity. Um, I'm going to reference that piece again, but They've just basically been middle of the pack every year since the title. <laughs> uh, and it, there, there was a little bit of, um, you know, there was a few good years after that, after they won the title in 04. But, but basically since like, I'll say 07, 08, something like that, they've just been mediocre. 
year after year after year, and they seem content with that. Uh, but I'm I'm with you. I think it's time to at least try a different form of rebuilding. See what you can get. Uh, I, I every name on that roster should be available to me. Um, just see what you can get for any of those guys, and and just try something new. Uh, last two sellers mentions for me in the Eastern Conference, or this one's a buyer or seller. One that's become a topic of discussion, the Toronto Raptors. They had that three-game losing streak where they played. It was a tough stretch. They played Miami, Houston, and Philly. They've since won three of their last four. They've been a pleasant surprise, but they're also fifth in the East and 15th Mm -hmm. in offensive efficiency. And I think people are wondering, did they sign Kyle Lowry to that extension so that they could increase his trade value? And so my inclination is to say maybe they're not buyers, but I don't consider them sellers and I also, if Drew Holiday's available, he kind of takes away from the Kyle Lowry packages a little bit because I think teams that are in the market for Lowry would probably prefer Drew Holiday just looking at his age and his contract yep. length. Yeah, they're an interesting one. Um, before the season started, I might have even said this, like they seem like an obvious seller to me, um, but they've been better than I expected. I, I just kind of missed the boat on them. I think I should have realized that they were good year after year after year with DeRozan and Lowry. And now they've got a better version of that with uh, Lowry and Siakam. So I, I think I probably should have expected them to be better. But like you said, it's not like, I, I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, they're probably not title contenders right now. So is it worth it to see what you can get uh, to sort of flesh out the core around Siakam and Van Vliet? Um I think it's certainly worth exploring. I'm, my default answer is always going to be they, they probably don't um, just because it's it's generally the safer route to stand pat. And uh, obviously, Masai Ujiri has not made a career out of going the safe route. Uh, so maybe that's one team where we can say, you know, let's keep an eye on them. Maybe they'll be a little bit more aggressive than we expect. Um, but if I had to answer right now, I'm, I'm going to say they're largely the same team coming out of the deadline. I'd be interested to see if they don't have the best asset ammo but they do have the assets to kind of go in the other direction if they wanted to or if you attach a pick to some salary filler and they have a ton of expiring contracts maybe you pick up a mid-season swing piece i don't know that unless you put all your chips on the table that you enter a, like the drew holiday sweepstakes and you also don't want to mess with your 2021 cap space but they probably could try and upgrade the team if they wanted to yeah i could see them um I could definitely see them going that way, adding one more piece who can help them out. Now, I think they were one of my potential suitors for Andre Iguodala. Um, I can't remember the exact deal, but I think Ibaka was in there, and they probably I – don't, I don't know what kind of picks they have to send. I'd have to look at the article again. But um, suddenly you've got really switchy, versatile defense with Siakam and Iguodala and Anobi. Um, so I could, I could definitely see them being buyers too. They have all their own firsts, and they've traded three future seconds. I just wouldn't give up a first for Iguodala alone. I don't, like if it was Ibaka and let's say like McCaw for Crowder and Iguodala, that and a first like the like the Raptors are the ones giving up the first century. That's a trade I'd consider if I'm the Raptors, just because I think both Crowder and Iguodala help you. However, do they actually help your offense, or do they just going to amp up your defensive ceiling, which is you know you're already third in points allowed per 100. percent Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. My last buyer or seller team in the East, the Orlando Magic. Would you trade Fultz? I was going to ask you that earlier when we were talking about the Magic as a potential Drew Holiday spot. 
if you're interested in the timeline the Magic appear to be interested in, I would say absolutely yes. And if it's part of the Drew Holiday trade, Drew Holiday has, let's say, the ceiling of a top 25 player. You don't know if Mark Elfoltz is ever yeah. going to have that. Yeah, I think I would too. The The fake deal I came up with last night was Gordon uh, Foltz, and I don't even know if I – would you need to attach a first at that point? I don't know if I would. It's it re, Drew is interesting because you are getting a top 25 player, and I don't even know that you could argue that Aaron Gordon's a top 50 player. It's just that he's, he's young on a declining contract. Yeah. He's been so, rough this year. So maybe like a super protected first. Yeah. Um, so you think they'd be buyers is what you're saying? I think, yeah, I, I think they're probably more likely to be buyers for the same reasons that I explained earlier. I think they're going to be one of those front offices who thinks it's wide open right now. Let's let's put our chips in and see what happens. Um, who, who would they be sellers with I guess Vucevic, but that's we run into the same problem. Well, I guess if you move we discussed Gordon, earlier, like who who wants these big contract big men right now? Yeah, and I guess if you move Gordon, it it could be an either or scenario, and you're not. I don't know who's giving up. I, I guess if you looked at a team like Portland, maybe they give you an expiring contract plus, let's say Nasir Little and a first round pick. Maybe that's what would qualify as selling. But it does seem that most of the Aaron Gordon scenarios involve them trying to get an impact player right away. Yeah, for sure. I, so I, if I had to predict, I'd say they're more likely to be buyers. Um, doesn't necessarily think that's, or doesn't necessarily mean I think that's what they should do. Uh, but I, I think with all these Eastern Conference teams, it's just a little easier to predict that they'll try to stay in the hunt. They were a team that I could see throwing caution to the wind and maybe entering the Kevin Love sweepstakes, where if you build something Ooh. around Aaron Gordon at that point, and now yeah. you have Vooch and Kevin Love in the front court. Um, do you trust your remaining defensive assets to I was gonna say that's, make that work? That could be real tough defensively. But, you know, Vooch is probably an underrated defender for his position anyway. He yeah. moves pretty well. And then Kevin Loves is certainly a boon for your poor floor spacing. Yeah, that's for sure. So on to my West buyers or sellers, or our, excuse me. I didn't mean to be, be so possessive there. You already talked about it, but I'm I'm looking for a definitive answer. OKC, are they, are they buyers or sellers? Or are they... They could be nothing, but do you do you think they're going to be sellers? I think they're tr- going to try to be sellers. Is CP3 um, on, on the Thunder after the trade deadline? Yes, <laughs> because I, I think they're going to be they're going to try to be sellers, but it's uh, easier said than done when it comes to the Chris Paul contract. Now we get to some interesting ones. The Sacramento Kings, buyers or sellers? Sellers. I don't uh, I think they they could at least try to get something for Dwayne Dedman. He's already out of the rotation. Um, I don't know what they get, get for something for Dwayne Dedman. He's been ass. Which, well, <laughs> which hurts my heart because I was a big fan of that signing. So yeah. I'm eating crow here. I'm not saying the Kings were idiotic to sign him. Well, maybe in retrospect, well, maybe just but... get off the contract would be a better way to put it. Um, I don't know if that means they're a buyer or a seller, but I'm, I'm going to stick with seller. I think they have a couple pieces that they can float out there. Deadman, Joseph, Ariza, um, none of those guys seem like long-term fits for Sacramento. They should definitely be seeing if any team wants to make the annual Trevor Ariza. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The next team up, the Phoenix Suns, buyers or sellers? Um, or Stan Stillers, that's an option too. Probably Stan Stillers. Who, uh, I don't know why I termed it that. But <laughs> I like it. I'm running with it. 
who who would they be i guess baines who who would they want to be sellers with i think trading baines is probably sacrilegious at this point <laughs> uh but he is entering free agency so that's something to consider i know bigs don't get paid but he's having a career year overall when when he's healthy, they have the Tyler Johnson. I think they're better oh, positioned to be. Yeah, for sure. The Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I forgot about that. That contract is definitely going to be floated out there. And I think that just positions them to be buyers more than anything because yeah. they have that expiring yeah. contract anchor, other salary filler if they need it. When you look at Frank Kaminsky, and then they have I don't know who they're willing to include, but you just look at the assets they have aside from picks, and it's Aaron Baines we already mentioned. Uh, you have Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Don- Johnson, Dario Saric, Ty Jerome, Elliot Kobos played well this year. Maybe Javon Carter, someone who interests certain teams. I don't know what the name would be that they go after. I don't think it should be Kevin Love, even though he's sort of been mentioned there. And I don't know that you need to enter the Drew Holiday sweepstakes at this point. Having Rubio and Holiday on the same team with Booker just doesn't really track too well. If they wanted to, though, I'm just I'm trying to think of another name that might might come up. Do they think that? You know, Aaron Gordon might be a good fit. Maybe he's someone that they could get for cheaper than they could get for Kevin Love. That might be a name that'd be a fit with Aiton in the front court. They do seem better positioned to be buyers more so than sellers, though. And especially with how invested you have to believe they are in hovering around the West playoff pitcher. They're one game out in the loss column right now. I would think that they would want to be buyers more than sellers. Yeah. I think that makes sense. The shine has worn off that early season start, but like we've said a couple times now, the the bottom couple seeds in the West are very gettable right now. Here's something that's interesting. The Portland Trailblazers, buyers, sellers, or standstillers? Um, I think they'll try to be buyers. I just, I guess the white side contract is still there, although he's been better for them than I thought he would be. And if and at this point, with Zach Collins out, uh, Nurkic still out, um, who, who's your five? Unless you're trading for a different five, if you, you move white side. You also run into the same problem with Kent Bazemore, who hasn't been great, but your wing rotation yeah. is so depleted after Decimated. The loss of Rodney Hood that if you give up Kent Bazemore, you better be getting a wing in return. And I'm not sure that... Yeah. Kevin Love doesn't qualify, and I don't know that Aaron Gordon, he could defend them, but he's not a wing. Yeah, I agree. It's hard. So I think if they're identifying themselves, <laughs> I probably think they would say buyer. I just, I don't, it's just kind of hard to find logical deals for them, unless they're willing like to. the season to do it when you're, yeah, okay, maybe yeah. you make the playoffs, but you're going to get in as what, seven or eight seed maybe? I think yeah. for them to be definitive buyers, we probably need to see a continued uptick over the next month or so. Yeah, and I think maybe the equation changes if they ever decide to move McCollum. Um, but I don't, you know, after this many years of rebuffing those rumors and reports, um, I'm inclined to believe them at this point that they just don't want to do that. Last two buyers or sellers or standstillers, of course, in the West. We talked about them a little bit, but the Minnesota Timberwolves, they might be one of the more fascinating ones. I think they're buyers for the same reason that you laid out with the Blazers. I think they'll look at the standings and say, we've got a shot to get in here. Um, We don't want Carl Anthony Towns to start to feel the same things that Anthony Davis did about the the, the Pelicans. Um, That's a good point. 
you know, if we if we go to the playoffs, at least we can sell him on the fact that we've had a little bit of success. We're moving in the right direction. You make a trade, maybe you can sell him on. Hey, we're we're out there trying to help you out. Um, so I think I'm I'm going to go with buyers for them. They do seem like they and they have interesting. Sorry, they they've got some interesting contracts that they can move to. You mentioned Teague and Covington. Um, so it's a little bit easier to see them as buyers just from a logistics standpoint than it is with Portland. And you figure that they'll be, if the Warriors will, will assume are, are sellers or standstillers, they're obviously not buyers. Uh, if they're shopping D'Angelo Russell, you figure Minnesota would be interested in that. Definitely be interested in Drew Holiday. Maybe if Kyle Lowry becomes available, those are names they'd be looking at. If you mm-hmm. could get Chris Paul for, for not giving up any real assets, it's, it's Gorgie Jang and Jeff Teague. Just filler because OKC wants the long-term cap relief. Would you would you do that deal? Are those two contracts enough? They, I believe they are. They add up to like thirty-six million, I believe. I'll, do- I'll double check. But Chris Paul is Chris Paul is making thirty-eight point five million this season, just which crazy. Just seems like such a ridiculous number. And then Jang and T get up to thirty-six point two million. So yeah, that would be those two alone would get it done. Wow. So I, my, my instinct is to say, yes, I would do that as Minnesota. Like like I said earlier, Paul's been great for the Thunder this season. I think this, this Thunder season is going about as most analysts thought it would. Um, They have a lot of good players. And so it's, it's not surprising to me that they're in the playoffs. And I think if you put Paul in the Timberwolves, you certainly raise their short-term ceiling. Um, Here, here are the concerns. And I think they're big ones. The contract after this season, that's obvious. And then is is Chris Paul going to rub the young guys the wrong – that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> is is Chris Paul going to be tough to deal with for the young guys? Kind because of, of where you stopped. Is Chris, <laughs> is Chris Paul going to rub the, the young guys? I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it, it wasn't going to get any better. Uh, <laughs> the wrong way is how that sentence was going to finish. But anyway um, – they just had all those, you know, uh, what's like philosophical headbutting with Jimmy Butler for a couple of years. Does the same thing happen with Chris Paul? He's had kind of a history of, a, of, of abrasive leadership. Things certainly broke down uh, at the end of his run with the Clippers, with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Um, you know, it depends on what reports you believe, but it seems like things broke down between he and James Harden as well. Um I don't, I don't know how much stock you have to put into that because you can't just coddle Wiggins and Towns for their entire careers. Um, they're they're going to play with difficult personalities, so at some point they've just got to accept that. Uh, but I do think that would be a little bit of a concern, not as big a concern as just the contract moving forward and having your entire cap tied up, or two-thirds of your cap tied up by Wiggins and Chris Paul is daunting. Um, that is scary. But... <laughs> Just you know, the immediate return. I I I would be tempted to just call them a playoff lock if they did that deal as you laid it out right there. Just Teague and Jang, um, basically just cap filler for Chris Paul. They're getting in the playoffs. And one of the concerns that you kind of touched upon too is by taking the ball out of Andrew Wiggins's hand, are you priming him for regression yeah. in any way? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, that would be it'd be something I consider if that's if that's all it took was Teague and Jang I honestly would consider it though the, I think I would too for sure the last either or I have for the West is the San Antonio Spurs 
they should absolutely be sellers. <laughs> I don't know um, what se- I know what selling looks like for them, but aren't they? And I almost feel bad for saying this. They're like almost in Pistons territory. Like, I was gonna. What are you getting yep. for your best players? I was just gonna say the same thing. Uh, it's it's essentially what you brought up earlier. They should be sellers. Um, it's it's just hard to identify teams that make a ton of sense for either DeRozan or Aldridge. Um, so they if they're not already shopping them though, they're they're doing themselves a disservice. They've got to at least see what's out there. Orlando seems like the only potential landing spot for DeRozan, and just their their lack of floor balance makes that a difficult fit. I do think that maybe having Bryn Forbes, who's been up and down all year, but if you can include someone like that with DeRozan, maybe that helps you get back in Aaron Gordon because you're giving them someone who can actually shoot. And even, you know, Bellinelli, you can bank on him maybe shooting better long-term, that expiring contract, but DeRozan needs shooting around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, you just look at the worst offensive teams in the league that would have a need for a guy that could create his own shot and set up others. Just, just none of them are a good fit for DeRozan either because they're on separate yeah. timelines or it just doesn't make any functional sense. I was, <laughs> I was going to say, if we look at the worst offenses in the NBA, it's, it, I, I think it'd be stay, hard. To, <laughs> it would be hard to say that DeRozan's going to help any of those teams well, offensively. Cause my, my hunch theory, and though, without looking. Be, go ahead. I was just gonna say in I was, theory, the, the goal would be, well, you're getting this all-star score. He should theoretically help. Yeah. But your all-star scorer is uh, somebody who, uses a ton of possessions at a below average rate. So I don't, I don't think mathematically you're going to be helping your offense if you bring him in. My hunch is a lot of those teams need better shooting, um, and that may not be the case. And he, he's like just flat out refusing to shoot threes at this point. Um, so I, I guess if you want to soak up a ton of possessions at like a couple points below average, that's, I mean, it could be worse. Um, and these guys don't grow on trees, but ideally you'd get somebody who can use some possessions at an above average rate. So he's, he's going to be really hard to find a destination for, um, which we've already said a couple of times now. I just, um, is it too hot techie to say the game has, has passed him by? I mean, it's not too late for him to learn how to shoot threes. I don't, I don't know what the holdup is there. (laughs) If it's hot takey, I still think there's some value to him, but you need to surround him with shooting then. And I don't know if he's the guy you want to tailor your, your team. building around. He's not, at least not in my mind. Yeah, it's they're they're in that sort of weird spot, and it, again, it, it's tough to find a, a destination for him. They also haven't made. I'll never tire of saying this. They haven't made an in season trade since two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Dondo DiColo for Austin Day. Yeah. Would anybody want Aldridge? A, a lot of people were mentioning the Heat, and it made me think like, I guess people don't watch the Heat, but I don't. I don't think that. No. Aldridge, if Aldridge is going to play yeah. for him, it would need to be at center, and Bam Adebayo is there. I don't like that either. I'm with you. I don't know of another team that the Denver Nuggets were mentioned. I didn't understand them as destinations. That would be terrible. Aldridge, yeah. I don't. I mean, maybe if I, no, that's, the Magic don't even make sense if they want to go dual big. Could you get away? No, I wouldn't do it if I was Phoenix. I don't. I can't find a. <laughs> I, for I love how you've started the sentence on like four teams and then just go no. no maybe no. Portland. If they view yeah, Portland is upgrade. interesting, and I I just love the sentimental angle there too. That you know obviously doesn't um, address how he fits, but I think that one's interesting. We're clearly going to have to save surprise trade candidates for our next pod, perhaps when we do a mailbag or something. But I wanted to ask you, since we obviously didn't talk about more of the just just the clear cut teams that we know are going, you know, you know that Milwaukee if they're going to do something is going to be buyers. What, yeah. What's the team in in the West and the East? So the one team from each conference that 
you think it, the win now team that is best positioned or most likely to to make a splash in the lead up to the trade deadline? I don't know about us. Like, if we're defining splashes, they go out and get a star. I don't. I don't know if they qualify for this, but I think Denver's a definite buyer. They've they've got a lot of interesting young guys who don't play. They've got a couple of good salary matching deals, so I could see them. Not I could see them. I I do see them probably making some kind of a move. So I think Denver's my definite buyer in the West. Definite buyer in the East. Um, I will say I'll agree with you on Denver in the West. They have the right combination of incentive and then assets. To- yeah to back it up. I know people have kind of mentioned Dallas and they can build some interesting packages. Cause you have Finney Smith and yeah. Jackson Hardaway's deal at this point though. I don't know if the return would be good enough to kind of mess with what you have going on there. And I mean, they, they beat the Bucks without Luka Doncic, which was a pretty, pretty big deal for them. And the other thing, this is only tangentially related. Could we stop sending bigs to the Dallas Mavericks? I just don't, yeah. You have Powell. We need to make more minutes for Porzingis at the five. Yeah, and here's my thing. is like if you just paid him a max deal, I don't care what you view him as full-time, a four or five. If you signed him to a max deal and they actually – I'm not saying they do, but they feel the need to go out and actively seek out another big, there's a problem. Yeah. Like that's an actual – but I've seen so many scenarios where – They've already got Powell and Kleba. They've both been good this year. I'm with you 100% on that. And if you want to pancake some people, then play Porzingis and Boban together. I don't want to see it. Yeah. (laughs) You you, you paid him too, so you have the option. Play Boban more is always a good uh, need, If you want a big, then you wait to the buyout market at this point. Too much of your Mm -hmm. cap equity is invested in the 4-5 or spot right now. I agree. I guess, so you mentioned Milwaukee is is probably the – the definite buyer in the East. I think I could go with them. Um, but just to not um, copy you, I'll say Miami because I think, like I mentioned earlier, they've got two guys who combined to make about $30 million who just do not play at all. And so if they can, if they can find any way to use that, uh, maybe they have to attach justice Winslow to it uh, to make, to make a deal or to entice somebody to take on those contracts. Um, I, I think they are, they're primed for a trade. Miami is. You actually did end up copying me because my pick was Miami. In the oh, well. okay, good. But At least I'll, I preempted it though. But I'll I'll roll with the Bucks just because you have that. They don't have the easiest pathway to bringing back expensive players, but you have movable contracts, and then Indiana's lottery protected first round pick. I do also kind of wonder if Indiana belongs in this discussion. Where look at how good they've been. Maybe they don't want to mess with the good juju that they've built up, but. If you if in their mind, you know, they're sixth in the East. They're I would move Turner if I was them. I, I would need a haul for him, but if you're you know, you have Victor Oladipo eventually gonna come back, you're already ten games over five hundred. If you could get something that really helps you, another you know, maybe a floor spacer who can score a little bit off the dribble on the wings. I don't obviously that guy is easier to talk about in theory than to find in practice, but they'd be a sneaky team to maybe watch at the trade deadline. Yeah. One more I'll add in from the West is Utah. Their bench is atrocious, um, but I just I don't know what kind of trade assets they have. I mean, the obvious one is Exum, but he doesn't. I can't imagine he has any value now. So, what is what does Exum in a first round pick do? I don't I don't know. I think they'll at least explore the market. A first round pick that doesn't convey until twenty twenty two, as well. Yeah, that's the other problem because they've got the Stepien rule kicking in too with the Conley trade. So. Um, Conley for I, I know that they would that's like the to upgrade their bench, though. What's that? Conley for CP3. That's the deal. <laughs> um, 
Oh man. Let's end I'm... the podcast there. <laughs> okay. I like that. We'll, we'll let the jazz fans, um, stew over that. If you have any of your own, uh, thoughts or takes on buyers or sellers, uh, like Dan said, we'll get into surprise targets in another episode. So maybe hit us up on Twitter with those. Um, Dan Favalli can be found at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The podcast network is at Blue Wire Pods. Um, As always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you've already done so, make sure you're telling your friends and family to do that. And until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson.